Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yay! Woo! So, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Woo! Wait. Okay. Yeah, these lights are bright. So, if you saw me laughing over there with Pastor Ted, I said to him uh, just a second or two ago, I'm not sitting over there anymore, right? Because I'm like bawling. <laughs> I'm in, I'm broke down. So anyway, but I guess I really should sit over there where we know that the Holy Spirit is uh, on us like that, right? That, that uh, we know that uh, the Holy Spirit is in the space. So I'm like uh, Pastor Ted and Kiva and everyone here. I'm pretty much humbled to be able to share with you today. And I know if you're like me, it probably took a moment for you to get up and get out of the house because sometimes the flesh talks to us. But I think also if you're like me, sometimes the bed talks to us too. And, and sometimes the bed says, don't go. It's raining. It's cold. You'll be better off here with me today, doesn't it? So, you know, we, we always have these voices talking. Today for me, uh, it was the bed, but then I said, no, I got to go. Uh, so I'm excited again, and I'm humbled to be able to share a topic that is passionate for me, right? Uh, and that's justice, and we want to put justice as a way of life, right? Not just on those special occasions when we, we can or we have those moments where uh, we can join in when somebody is doing something around uh, injustice and so forth, but just on a, a walk on a daily basis. So as far back as I can remember, I have always had what they call a big mouth, right? Back, yeah, seriously, right? I mean, they didn't call it... Uh, you know, you're spiritual or you know, you're anointed or anything like that. They pretty much called it a big mouth. And at the time, of course, I don't understand why I have this big mouth. I just, you know, know I have it. Um, so I, I just, I was the one in my family whenever we talk about anything and I had some moment of hearing what I would presume to be injustice, I'd always say, that ain't right. And uh, over and over again, right? And my mother would always say, you know what, one day, daughter, you are going to, that mouth is going to get you in trouble, right? I mean, I'm just, you know, and so then I didn't really understand, as Pastor Allison talked about last night, good trouble. But, and she was right, you know, she was right. It, it absolutely did get me into trouble. But as I started learning more and more, that was okay, right? Particularly when you're getting in trouble for Jesus. So we discuss world events, current affairs, and pretty much everything under the sun. And my admonishment was always, that ain't right. So the one thing about having a passion for justice, it's always there for me. It doesn't go away. I get the prophet Jeremiah when he said in a relationship to God's word, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it. Indeed, I cannot. And I understand this because like Jeremiah, when it comes to doing nothing about injustice, indeed, I cannot. So when we look at justice, let's just take a little note. It's a significant word in the Bible. The two most basic Hebrew terms in the Old Testament are sedek, usually translated righteousness or conformity to a right standard, and mishpah, meaning judgment in the sense, S-E-N-S-E, -S -E, of a right sentence in a court of law. And importantly, in the Bible, justice is used over 400 times in the Old Testament and probably uh, uh, nearly or over 300 times in the New Testament. So I think we'll all agree that it makes it significant or makes the word significant and worthy of our focus. Now, that's not to say that every word in the Bible isn't worthy of our focus, but today, let's center justice. So in thinking about justice as a way of life, 
But what does a Micah 6, 8 lifestyle look like? As Pastor Ted shared, I want to share our foundational scripture for one of the values that we're, we're centering today. That's restorative justice. And Micah says, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. I want you to hold to that scripture for a minute because I'm coming back. And I'm going to point out something that perhaps you already see. So in thinking about what to share and, of course, asking the Lord, what say you? I remembered I had something on my phone some time ago about justice related to my bio. So when I put my bio out or I revise it or whatever that might look like, I'm going to always mention something regarding my mission and purpose as I understand it as advancing social and racial justice. So in this case, purpose, so in this case, what came up for me is the scripture from Habakkuk or Habakkuk, you know, we, we, we can never get that one right, but you, you, you following me. So anyway, uh, two and four says where it, it says, behold the proud. His soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. So what stood out for me at the time was the phrase, the just. When I looked it up, it pointed to the word sedek, the righteousness. And then I recognized that we who have given our lives to Christ, having been justified by his death on the cross, are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So I could see that the just have every right to, as Micah 6 says, act justly. Sometimes I think we think we aren't qualified to, for certain spaces or to do certain things or even act on some injustices when indeed we are. I remember not too long ago, my sister in Christ, Tori Driver, in a previous Bible study, and that's the Women's Empowerment Bible Study on Tuesday nights, still held virtually. And if you want to know what really did I say all that for, this is really a shameless plug for our small group, and you all should come. So anyway, uh, the just, we have power and authority and Mike, Mark 2023 20, tells us that, and this was, of course, the story of Jesus walking along with the disciples and after he cursed the fig tree. Peter says to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. That's a lot of power. That's a lot of power and a lot of authority. So when we take Micah 6, 8, and Habakkuk or Habakkuk 2 and 4 together, we should see something important. What should we see, Dr. Jerry? Well, I'm glad you asked. We should see those action words both in Micah 6 and 8, and Habakkuk or Habakkuk 2 and 4, and they should motivate us to do something. They are act, love, and yes, love is an action verb, and we know that Apostle Paul, he's clear about that, right, in 1 Corinthians 13. It's not that warm and fuzzy feeling we thought it was. And then Habakkuk or Habakkuk 2, 4, there is another action verb there, shall live. Now, just a little reminder that an action verb that expresses some, an action verb is something that expresses something that a person, animal, object, or process in nature, such as a storm, can do, right? Rather than expressing a state of being. So with that framework, framework or backdrop in mind, and if you're taking notes or you want to have a little title for what I'm sharing today, it should be the just shall live by faith slash action. Because adding that little slash, slash action tells us that faith must be in action. Our faith is action, right? 
So I want to start uh, this, <clears throat> this little talk about a Christian pastor and a soap maker, and you may have heard it before, and the soap maker didn't believe in God. So here we go. One day, as the soap maker was walking with the pastor, he said, there is something I cannot understand. We have had religion, pretty much your religion, for thousands of years, or your faith for thousands of years. But everywhere you look, there is evil, corruption, dishonesty, injustice, pain, hunger, and violence. It appears that your religion or faith has not improved the world at all. So I ask you, what good is it? So the pastor didn't answer for a time, and I imagine that he was thinking about, okay, Holy Spirit, this is one of those times when I need you, and I need you to show up. But he continued walking with the soap maker, and as the Holy Spirit always does, show up. Eventually, they approached a playground where children covered in dust, and they had been covered in dust for a really long time, and they were still playing in the dirt. Pastor looks at the soap maker and says, Soap maker, there is something I don't understand. Look at those children. We have had soap for thousands of years, too, and yet these children are still filthy. What good is soap? So the soap maker, of course, he's like, huh, what in the world? So he doesn't hesitate, though, and says, but pastor, it isn't fair to blame the soap for these dirty children. Soap has to be used, that action word, before it can accomplish its purpose. Amen. The wise pastor smiled and said, exactly. And wise wasn't in the story, but I put that in there. So like our faith, as Brother James exhorts us, faith that's not used is ineffective. So James says this, and you know, if you read James, you got to do one of these, because James rolls, right? What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Or suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself it, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. And James, you know, he goes on. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you what I do. So I want to give you three things, three deeds, three things in particular that I strive to act out and do daily in this matter of not of not allowing justice or injustice to go on. I pray that it blesses you and stirs up any fire in you that might have been reduced to embers for one reason or another. One, respond to injustice that you see. And I know that might seem like, what? But we must be honest, we don't respond to injustice when we see it, not like we should. For example, have you ever been in the airport, and that, not for example on this, but this just comes up, if you've ever been in the airport and you're on the moving walkway and it's O'Hare and you're wondering when it's ever going in, you are likely going to hear the loudspeaker and the loud person on the loudspeaker is going to be sharing if you see something, say something, right? Pretty much on billboards, pretty much on, you know, uh, advertisements, wherever you see it, see something, say something. So in Isaiah 58, 6 and 7, the Lord says, Is this not the kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke? to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. And what we see here again, I'll, I'll point it out, 
are those action verbs. Loose, untie, set, and break. Because when we think about it, right now, the world needs not, not the world needs someone who will grieve with them, who will act justly, listening to them, not diminishing their perspective and thoughts because you believe your way of thinking and being is the bottom line. Acting justly means walk with them through the valley of the shadow of death. The world needs people who will not always try to explain their pain away, but will patiently walk and sit with them. Acting justly looks like you don't turn a blind eye when your neighbor is involved in a domestic violence situation because you know that's what it is because you've seen their black eyes and the other physical scars. While you can't force anyone to love themselves or get out, you can offer them your love. It is that love that will shine and might even shine brighter if you slip a DV pamphlet in their hands. Acting justly is calling your legislative offices and sharing with them if you want their vote, if they want your vote the next time around, then you will have to help pass Karina's bill. A new bill that's on the table after a mother and daughter were killed by a gun by the husband and father. The bill demands guns to at least be illegal, and this is that whole fight about gun violence in general, but at least to be found illegal when an order of protection has been filled. Two, be a voice for the voiceless. Proverbs 31, 8 and 9, and some of this we heard last night, and Pastor Allison and I haven't talked, but when it comes to justice, there, there are always these common denominators. So Proverbs 31, 8 and 9 says, Speak up for those who cannot speak up for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. And every day, if you like me, if you're like me, you run across someone who can be identified as the poor and the needy, and one day it may be me. Many days it likely is me. So for us, the just, we should speak up. And I do use my big old voice, big mouth, and it does get me in trouble, but as Pastor Allison shared yesterday, it is absolutely good trouble. I will tell you that I've lost jobs, I've lost friends, I've lost family, but I wouldn't have it any other way but God. I recognize that speaking up is likely going against the grain, the status quo, those that do evil, and, uh, and for surely coming up against wickedness in high places, but we cannot resort to the code of silence and act justly at the same time. As Jeremiah says, indeed, we cannot. I can and won't resort to the code of silence when children are gunned down as they sit in a classroom with expectant faces of learning and growing. So I acted justly and joined the Sandy Hook promise. I can't turn to the code of silence when congregants in a Charleston, South Carolina church are studying the Bible on forgiveness and a lost soul sits through the lesson and then guns them all down because of instead of listening to them and to God, he had his ear turned towards evil. It was reported that the gunman had posed in photographs with the Confederate flag. I, among millions of other people, wrote the governor of South Carolina and asked her to remove the Confederate flag hanging on the state capitol building because I thought, how can you enact fair laws and dispense equal justice when you are proudly displaying a symbol of injustice for millions of people whose ancestors came in chains? That ain't right. So in July of 2015, it did come down. Three, we want to think about reframing our language. 
Proverbs 31 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who lose it. And I think it's eight and nine, but death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. So what do I mean by reframing language? Well, I'm glad you asked. I spent a lot of time in the classroom and other spaces on my soapbox speaking up about the fact that language is never neutral. It is always, always saying something. Therefore, acting justly means I reframe my language about around words that harm. They say sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Will I stand here today and share with you? That's not true at all. Words do hurt. For example, the other day, acting justly meant for me that I gently helped a student see that rather than referring to someone as an ex-convict diminished and helped them understand that diminishes the person's humanity, but, but formerly incarcerated could help them to see Jesus who came to set them free. The words say he came full of truth and grace. And that's just one word we use to label people when often we don't know the origins of how the word or phrase came about, like minority or minoritize. Well, what does minority actually mean? It means less than. Why are we still calling people less than? Because of the color of their skin or some other difference they might have that we don't. There are so many other words, and I, I won't talk about that today, but I hope one day I'll be invited and we'll talk more about reframing language. Author K. Ward Cummings, a former senior congressional advisor and author of the book Power, Partner to Power, wrote in the Baltimore Sun, words are powerful things. If we are not careful with them, they can lead to shootings and bombings and the building of walls, literally and figuratively. We have the power in choosing to not normalize what I call the three O's, othering, offending, and ostracizing people, whether they are in the kingdom of God or lost souls in the world. So I'm going to come back around the corner to acting justly because us, the just, shall live by faith. Clarence Hayes, 2023, pastor and author of another book, The Pursuit of Purpose, says one of the main reasons the Lord requires of us to act justly is because we represent him on earth. This means we, us, the just, should always act justly, even when it is not socially popular. I want to leave you with a little quote by the renowned scholar Cornel West about justice. Dr. West shared, justice is what love looks like in public. So Evanston Vineyard family and friends, let's be about our father's business, acting justly, loving mercy, and walking ever so humbly with our God. Be not just hearers of the word, but doers. I have faith that you got this. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Jerry. Super practical. With those things in mind, I would like to invite up our panelists. As you make your way to the stage, I've got a couple of notes. Um, there's a wealth of wisdom and information coming forward. We won't have time for everyone to answer every question. Um, but I would love for us to glean as much as possible in our short amount of time together. Um, as a reminder, these folks and others will be right outside immediately after this session. Um, if there's a burning question that you wanted answered and they didn't get to answer it, or if there's a perspective that you would like to hear, uh, they're ready. They'd love to answer any questions you have, um, pray with you, help process some of what you have heard. Um, perfect. Um, Samuel. Oh, that, that one's me. Sorry. Yeah. Um, if someone could take the table, please, and thank you. Thanks. 
<laughs> Thanks so much. This is our team. These are our folks. So I'm just going to do a brief intro. Yeah. I'm going to do a brief intro of each person slash couple, and then we are going to hit some questions, some of what Dr. Jerry talked about, some of the things that we think about as we process what um, everyday justice looks like, and then I'll close us in a little bit. Um, so this is Betsy. Betsy Zell and her husband James are longtime members of the Evanston Vineyard. She's also a former church council member. As a young adult, Betsy gave her life to Jesus and felt his love, and she learned that God could use her not in spite of, but even because of her disabilities. Through her son David, who's deaf, God led Betsy to fully embrace her disabilities, and while she might have tried to hide her cerebral palsy, she couldn't hide sign language. <laughs> Betsy's passions are promoting an understanding about disability to create a more inclusive church and community and providing encouragement and support to those who are experiencing disability. Over here are the Corderos. Born in El Salvador, Central America, Samuel is a second generation pastor. He and his wife Vicky met as students at the National Conservatory of El Salvador where Vicky excelled as a second generation singer. Throughout their years, the Corderos enjoyed traveling around the United States doing missionary work, and their family joined the Evanston Vineyard in November of 2008, and they were appointed the Pastors of La Viña, our Spanish-speaking congregation, in February 2013. They are proud parents of one son, two daughters, and are looking forward to the birth of their first grandchild within the month. <laughs> Their vision is to evangelize, disciple, and release leaders to become a church community guided by God. Over here to my left is Alex and Emma. After studying urban ministry and intercultural studies, Alex Mayotte, you tell? I got it. Um, interned and began attending the Evanston Vineyard in 2017. Since then, he worked as a case manager and career pathway navigator in nonprofits, and he is currently teaching at a CPS high school and counts it a privilege to embody the love of God to young people. Emma, by Mayotte Butel, came to Chicago in 2012, and she studied urban ministry and has her master's of social work. She spent the last 10 years learning to be a good neighbor and currently works in social services with an organization whose mission it is to bridge literacy gaps and build a more equitable workforce. They live in Humboldt Park with their two kiddos. Finally, to my right is Mark Stringer. Mark came to faith while dating Patty, who he has been married to for 39 years, and in that time, they've parented 10 kids, four by birth and six adopted, and have eight grandkids. The Stringers have attended the Vineyard since 1983 and have been active with serving several different ministries in that time, namely helping folks access clothing, groceries, resources, and hope through the care center, serving in and at Good News Partners, a local shelter and affordable housing ministry, helping newly arrived people be integrated into Lavinia and hosting a small group in their home for the last 27 years. This is a really great crew of folks, right? Yeah, we are really looking forward to our time together. So uh, my first question is for everyone, if you can take a chance to answer, and it's a two-parter. So Dr. Jerry spoke about ways that she does everyday justice. Can you give us an example of how you practice justice in your everyday life and what drives you? I'm going to start with Betsy because you have the mic. I think, you're, I think you're, you can just start talking. Am I on? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> So I want to help to create a world of awareness, safety, and understanding that I did not have when I was a child because, and I keep going because I know I am making a difference. As a child, my disability was something to try to hide and be ashamed of. Yeah. There was no one else like me and no one to teach us about disabilities. 
my basic emotions were shame and fear, and the fear was of more shame. My motivation is to seek justice for the child I was and for every child like her. I use, um, I use programs that um, get to the topic of disability, get it out in the open, so that kids are actually talking about disability, hopefully reducing the shame which was so prevalent in the past, to take it out of the shadows and into the light. Note that for the most part, my target audience is not those with disabilities. It is the folks we live with and work with who need to accept us, respect us, affirm us, and even be led by us. Thank you, Betsy. Corderos. Viniendo de un país sumido en guerras, ver tantas injusticias. Coming from a country that it was like really submitted by war and a lot of injustice. Creo que por naturaleza este hacer justicia fue desde desde que nací. I think that by nature to do justice was in me since the moment I was born. Y ayudar a los más vulnerables es algo que a mí me encanta como misionero. And as a missionary, to help to the ones that are fragile is something that I always did. Equipos de niños ricos con niños pobres. We used to bring a group, a team that it was built by rich and poor kids. Y enseñarles a a respetar. Mutuamente. And in this so, uh, this choir, we taught them how to take care one uh, to uh, each other and how to respect one to each other. Venir a Estados Unidos y conseguir ayuda para niños pobres. And uh, we will come and Latinoamérica. and we will come to the United States and find help and sponsors to help uh, poor people. Poor kids from Latin America. This is something that we did for ten years. Y venir aquí a la viña es es para mí una bendición porque encuentro un equipo fuerte para seguir haciendo justicia restaurativa. So to come here to La Viña is a is a dream come true because I can build. Ahora recibiendo inmigrantes, encontrando inmigrantes. Y luego recibiendo nuevos inmigrantes. Now receiving new immigrants and finding new immigrants. Es una gran oportunidad para para recibir los cuatro días a la semana junto con este equipo hermoso. This is a huge opportunity to receive all those immigrants every week with all this beautiful team. Es un gran gozo verlos comer, disfrutar la comida. It's such a joy for us to see them enjoy their their meal and, ropa. and company and receive uh, all the blessings like clothes. And praise God, we are seeing a lot of fruit coming out of this things that are happening, receiving Jesus in their hearts. They are asking God to change their lives. They are taking steps like... Uh, Getting married. Dos, unas dos semanas atrás casamos a dos parejas en la viña. Two weeks ago we had a two couples wedding in la viña. Y mucha gente es esperando para bautizarse. And there's a lot of people waiting to be baptized. Mark, Mark, can you go? All right. I also have a story about the migrants. 
they started coming to us in January. Some of the same people that I would see on TV making that long, hard trip to the border are now in my van wanting to come to Lavinia, to come to the vineyard. And I remember the, the first time we dropped them off and they got out of the van, but instead of going into the church, they walked over to the, that grassy area and they all had their cell phones up in the air like this, pointing at the trees. And I thought, wow, they must have really bad reception. And, they, uh, and I don't speak any Spanish, so I, with Google Translate, I say, what are you doing? And they said, well, it just started to snow and we've never seen snow. And we're taking pictures now and we're showing our family in Venezuela. And, the, um, and I'm just so glad that I was asking God for something new, something different. God, what's maybe some next steps I should be taking? This opportunity came and, and I had enough sense to say yes. And just over this past few months and year, just to see all the amazing things that has been going on with them. Uh, not only just providing food and clothing, but to see them starting with nothing and getting jobs, being introduced to the Lavinia community, um, buying cars, getting apartments, and even after they move away out of the shelters into the apartments, they still keep coming back. And now they're bringing their friends, lots and lots of friends, more than we can get in our cars to bring them here, but they just keep coming. And I just feel privileged that I said yes to God and that he allowed me to be a part of all this stuff happening and especially just the, the changed lives, the commitments to faith, the baptisms that we're seeing, boyfriends marrying girlfriends because they know now it's a thing to do and just the going from despair to hope and for me personally to say yes to God and that being the first step to be a part of all that. Thanks, Mark. Something for, for me when I think about what it means to uh, practice justice daily is, um, I think when I think about being just, it starts with being uh, realizing like, who's your neighbor and who's around you. Um, and I think when it comes to reframing like the way we look at each other and the way that we look at the people around us, um, that helps a lot with the motivation to then go and to serve and to also to see them the way that God sees them. So a small thing that I do, um, I'm a high school teacher. Um, I used to do more of, um, I was a social worker before this and kind of am transitioning. Um, I still feel like it's very related, but um, part of what I do in my classes every day is I'm a chemistry teacher. Um, so I have them all, when we start the class, we walk through this um, statement um, kind of playing off of the word matter. Um, so like matter has to do with chemistry, but it also is a word in English that talks about like value and importance. So I have all the students say first, um, I matter, and then look around and say, you matter, and like collectively, we matter. Um, and I say it every period, and, and by the end of the day, I'm a little bit done saying it, and I think they might be done saying it too, but for me, it's something just to try to help reframe the way we're looking at ourselves and the way that we're looking at each other, and then also thinking about like, what does it mean for us to say it collectively, we all have importance. Um, so I guess that's like a daily thing that I'm trying to do. Um, one, because I need to hear it, but then also I think it's important for our young people to be reminded that they are really important and that there's a lot of importance in the people around them and then like them as a community. Um, so yeah, that's something daily that I think hopefully points towards that like neighbor aspect that I think the Bible's all about, about who are the people around you and how is, God asking you to love those people who are next to you. If you're on a panel, can you say ditto? <laughs> yes. Um, I, I was, the first thing I thought of when I saw, thankfully Kiva gave us these questions beforehand, so um, you could think about it, but the daily task of, I put it in my bio, being a neighbor and actively choosing to see people as image bearers of God, um, and asking the Holy Spirit, okay, like how can I see people and hear people, um, my coworkers, my children, um, not just the people who live in your building or on your street, but that you interact with strangers all day long. Like, what do they need? What is their story? Um, and daily, just choosing and knowing, I need to, I need to hear them. I need to see them. Um, they need someone to hear them. So, 
that feels like a really simple answer, but um, it is really the root of all the other things we do, um, whether it's saying, that ain't right, like Jerry said, um, at the small things that are said or done around you, um, part of that is choosing to see it. Yeah. Thanks, y'all. That was very rich. Um, so as you feel led, please just pop into these questions and we will try and get through as many as we can. Um, the first, uh, referencing our, our title for the conference, can you tell us about a time that you have experienced the spirit as you do the work of justice? Um. Martes nos vienen hombres inmigrantes a rendirse. On Tuesday, uh, I meet with. Uh, it's, it's like a, a talk for men specifically. Um, específicamente más o menos como 25 hombres, 24, 25 hombres. Like around 24, y 25 men. A la par está el grupo de mujeres también. Este. And besides Entonces, a room, there's a group of women that they meet. At the same moment, estábamos en la plática sobre el perdón, el perdón este eh, sin sin pretexto. So uh, we were talking about forgiveness without uh, objection. Estábamos en el momento de la reflexión sobre sobre a quién teníamos nosotros que perdonar y a quién es pedir perdón. And we were at the moment uh, thinking about who we need to forgive and and also who we need to ask mm. for forgiveness sentir el espíritu santo caer a hacer llorar a los latinos es más difícil and por, i know that por, to make latinos cry is more, more difficult Entonces, because they are like with the machismo vi a muchos hombres al mismo tiempo llorando este mm. al, al reflexionar sobre el perdón y entre ellos algunos pidiéndose perdón and to see all these men at the same time crying and asking for forgiveness and forgiving one to each other it was so amazing yeah, thank you. can I jump in? thank you so you would send me those pictures of these men on Tuesday nights meeting with you and I, and I think I forwarded that to some of you that is just so exciting that's really the capstone of what is going on in their hearts because they're not just coming for groceries or for stuff, but they are coming to meet with God. Yeah. And you would say that some of them are riding their bikes in bad weather to get there because there's no cars. And so they, this is real to them. Their lives have truly been changed. Thank you. Um, so I have had opportunities to share not just kids, not just with kids, but with adults as well in uh, PTAs, in civic organizations, in churches, and, um, and even at work shortly before I retired. And I've had people come up to me and say, after hearing you, my life has forever changed. Or one, one man at work who I didn't know at all and was from maybe a Hispanic background, just seemed to communicate that he felt affirmed for the first time in his life. And I believe that there is a spiritual power at play when I embrace my weaknesses yeah. and share my story. Second Corinthians 12.9 is true. The Lord said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Nothing else explains to me the impact I have had. Yeah. I'm trying to pick one, but um, I have the opportunity through my work to interact with a lot of people who are daily working and providing services to people in their most vulnerable state, um, whether they just lost a job, whether they just came to this country. And 
um, I don't know how many people in this room are in social services, but it can be a really taxing, exhausting work. Um, and in the end, when you see that person get the services they need or get the job or just coming in, um, there's something about seeing transformation in people's lives um, from just like a small thing um, that we take for granted that it just deepens your love for those people that you're working with. It makes your work mean something again. I feel like um, I am definitely guilty of getting maybe maybe apathetic of like, oh, what, am, what am I doing? <laughs> Does the work I do matter? Um, and it's the stories that come back of like, you changed my life and you felt like you didn't do anything for them at all. Um, and I, I think that is something that I've been experiencing a lot, thankfully, recently, of just getting those small returns of like, okay, like there is impact in this, and um, it's not by like our, our power and our energy. Like it is that continual drawing from the Holy Spirit to fuel the work that we do. Um, so yeah, that's my example. Anything? Uh, one thing I hear in all of your stories is this like faithfulness to show up and then the spirit does it, right? So there's this like filling of the spirit that motivates the work you do and then you do the work hoping that, you know, the spirit will do the rest and you get to see some of the really beautiful things that happen behind the scene. Um, next question. Sometimes for a variety of reasons, the church lags behind in its justice response. Can you talk about your commitment to the work of justice even when others aren't yet mobilized? Um, I just want to start with saying that I am very glad to see that there are so many more people with disabilities attending and serving at the Vineyard. And I want to emphasize the serving part especially because it's been uh, very much a team effort with the staff, the volunteers, and um, it's, it's just, it's very good to see this. Um, there is more to be done to, to promote understanding and inclusion. Um, fortunately, I am not alone in this vision. I, I want to mention um, Elizabeth Welch in particular, who... <laughs> Uh, for, for years, we have labored side by side in um, having various kinds of small groups. And Elizabeth has gone, uh, just had of constant ministry in, into the lives of people with disabilities. Um, and, uh, and, and others as well. There are many others in the church who have been part of that uh, success and continued work over the years. Um, we, we currently have a team that prays every two weeks, and we have a couple of small groups. We have um, a, a moms of kids with special needs group. Uh, parents, if dads want to join, that's great. And we also have a Care for Caregivers group. And then Elizabeth is also encouraging people with disabilities to just have a time to, to be with each other on Sundays. Um, so um, I, I think I feel like where, it, where it is, there is usually a staff member who is sort of a, a liaison for, for, for work with disabilities. Uh, it feels like 
the person usually has more important things to do, and maybe that's my problem, but that's my perception. Um, and I guess we, we just have to um, be, be encouraging to each other and encouraging to the church to keep plugging, plugging away. Um, sometimes we just have to be persistent and point things out more than once. And I'm going to risk rocking the boat, and I told Jess I would, by point, pointing out that as far as I know, this stage is the only inaccessible place in the church. Thank you. Can I? I'm ready. Um, I think invitation is a huge piece of staying committed to this work. Um, thinking of the the Micah passage that Jerry brought up, like these are all actions, like the the requirement to live justly, walk humbly. It's kind of it's kind of a concept at first. You're like, oh, that's the ideal. That's what the Lord requires. But in order for that concept, that ideal, to actually turn to action, to turn into like being just and acting humbly, there need, there's transformation that has to happen in there. Um, and everybody's in a different spot, so even if the church or your community is lagging behind, there, I think the invitation piece, if you're partaking in something, whether that's a program or <clears throat> if you're feeding people, feeding people goes a long way. Uh, if you're having a meal, inviting people to join along. If you're going to a protest or a march or you're going to serve somewhere, inviting people that are in a different spot in that transformation um, from wanting to do justice and actually doing justice, um, it encourages you. Um, you're not doing it alone. Um, but you have to invite people in. Like you can't just keep being like, "Well, they're gonna catch up." You you have to invite people. Um, that's what I'd say. Creo que hay muchas iglesias que están calladas. I think that there's a lot of uh, churches that are quiet. Eh, aunque. Estados Unidos para mí es, es como una super bendición. Even though uh, to us the United States is such a blessing for us. Eh, vengo de, de una familia bien pobre y de, de pastor, de hijo de pastor. I come from a pastor's family, from a very poor family. Y fui fui patrocinado por una familia de Estados Unidos de, de pequeño. I was sponsored by a family from the United States since I was very little. Probably this, probably this family didn't know that I was going to be a pastor when they started taking care of me in kindergarten and I was going to uh, serve the Lord. Pero nunca, nunca había conocido una iglesia. Este, tenemos la bendición de, de estar aquí en Evanston Vineyard que está bien balanceada en los valores y la justicia es una de las prioridades. It's very, very um, beautiful to be in this family of Evanston Vineyard and to see how well balanced is in this priority and in, in the values. Uh, a common question that you might hear as we think about justice is there are so many things that are clamoring for our attention. I don't know if you all have heard that, like everything is clamoring for our attention. So how do you discern the when, the what, and the how of engagement? Um, one thing I thought of in looking at this question and thinking about it is first just where's your, um, maybe where's your heart at or where is God tugging at your heart? Um, I think there's so many things you could do um, and I think it's maybe easy to become overwhelmed with like, ah, oh, there's just too much for me to do, but to find maybe that one thing that you have a personal connection to or maybe you 
um, have a friend or a family member who it, it, it is connected to and you decide, oh, I'm, I'm going to go do that. Um, but I think also a really good place to start sometimes is just looking around you, um, like if you really have no idea, um, to just say, like again, like coming back to that idea of who is my neighbor, because there's, especially for us living in the city, there's people everywhere, right? There's so many people around us, and your neighbors could be the people on your block or the people in your neighborhood or the people you see every day on your way to work or the people at your work, but there's, um, I think a lot of opportunity with just starting with like those people who are closest to you and saying like what is impacting them the most and how can I help there um, and don't make it this really big lift to go do the big thing once a week or whatever maybe it's just like every day um, deciding to say hi to that person or every day deciding to um, to maybe like change the way you're looking at them and decide I'm going to um, maybe advocate then because I see that there's a problem here. Um, so I think if you can maybe ask yourself, all right, like what um, is going on around me? And then like, what can I do? I'm trying um, to give like a concrete example for that. Um, maybe, yeah, just realizing like there are so many people coming to um, Chicago, for example, from Venezuela and other countries and saying, okay, these are neighbors for me. Maybe it is, um, bringing food once a week. Maybe it is writing to um, to like the local governments or maybe it's like volunteering at the care center. I think there's a lot of opportunities that don't require you to maybe like reinvent something or do something new, but just to see the people who are around you and decide to step out and to love them. Creo que fomentar conferencias como esta I think that encourages uh, to have moments like this, like conferences like this. Y, y también este, cada quien usar su influencia para, para guiar a los subalternos, digámoslo así. And also everyone that has the opportunity to lead groups to make justice is, is like those people who have some kind of influence, you know, is, is very important for them una, to take action. Una de las marchas que me, que me dio más energía de ser justicia fue ver a Pastor Tzell con una bandera en una marcha. There was some, uh, uh, an occasion that we saw Pastor Tzell participating with a flag in one of the, the momentums that we had about justice. Eh, me impresionó sinceramente y me dio este como wow, podemos hacerlo todos si lo está haciendo también el pastor, ¿no? I was impressed by that and and then it's an invitation for everyone to participate because Pastor Ted is doing mm. he's giving us an example. And also I have to add a little bit um, right now is the momentum that we are living in and receiving all these people we we don't know if this is gonna start uh, like stopping, like little by little decreasing, but we are right now living this opportunity to be a blessing, even in little tiny things. But at the end, little by little, like grain of salt by grain of salt, we can we can build a better kingdom yeah. for the glory of God. Any final words, thoughts, or encouragements for our church? Anything we haven't hit that you would love to share? I have two things. <clears throat> um, I think we've talked. We're, we're talking about the Holy Spirit in tandem with justice, and I think um, spiritual practice. If you are not already daily inviting the Holy Spirit in the form of a spiritual practice, whether that's in silence or uh, meditation on the word or, I don't know, a Lectio type practice, um, speaking to that clamoring of there's always all this stuff. The more we invite the Holy Spirit and we become comfortable and familiar with how the Holy Spirit speaks to us, um, the easier it is to discern what, where am I supposed to take action here? Am I supposed to take action in this small, immediate way? Am I supposed to 
plan for something larger? Am I supposed to support in some way? How am I supposed to use my money? Like all those day-to-day -day small, overwhelming, clamoring things, um, all the headlines. Um, if you're able to actually pause and hear and know that it's the Holy Spirit, um, it is so much easier to know what you're supposed to do in that moment. Otherwise, you will be overwhelmed. Um, so that that's one. I, I'm thinking of a second one really quick um, on the line of being a neighbor um, wherever you live. Um, this was the first tip I got when I lived in the city um, starting to study urban ministry is knowing what's around, know where your mutual aid organizations are, knowing where the fire station is, knowing where shelters are, knowing where the resources are, where you live, um, so that you can be familiar, so that you can participate, um, and so you can send people there um, and have those resources be utilized. Um, I think having knowledge of where you live is like a, a very easy first step um, in being able to act justly and be merciful to those around you, um, knowing what is available um, in practical ways. Just one really quick thing. Um, I think that it's important to recognize that oftentimes doing the daily justice will be uncomfortable. Um, it's usually not, I mean, we live in a really busy world and it's a lot easier, um, like Dr. Jerry was saying, to maybe not want to say something in the moment, just be like, oh, I'm going to breeze over that or I don't want to rock the boat. Um, maybe that's more me. But um, I know that oftentimes it's easier to um, just keep going. So it will be uncomfortable. Um, it's kind of like when the Holy Spirit like prods you a little bit and you're like, ah, oh, really? Like right now? Like I'm, I'm, I'm late or I'm running or I'm doing something else. Um, but I think... Um, leaning into where it feels uncomfortable and allowing the Holy Spirit to push you um, and then taking that step. So I would, I would like you to try to imagine what it means to me for God to put a call on my life to use that which I was most ashamed of to change the world. I used to think that my greatest gifts were my mind and my knowledge. Not so. The influence I have now has come through embracing my weaknesses. When we give our lives to the Lord, he can use anything in our lives to further his purposes. As you look into serving in the area of restorative justice, don't be surprised if God uses things that you couldn't imagine were gonna help anybody, but they can be the most powerful gifts and experiences you have. What's amazing to me is that on the way to serve people with disabilities, to lift them up, to, to um, promote understanding and uh, affirmation, God has helped to heal that, that child inside me that was so hurt the healing is just another miracle. Mateo 6.33, más buscad primeramente el reino de Dios y su justicia y lo demás vendrá por añadidura. Matthew 6.33, that says, uh, look for the kingdom of God first, and then all the other things will come. Creo que ayudando a los más vulnerables, este, pues vamos a hacer justicia. And I, I, I believe that helping those who are the most vulnerable, y como principal, we, we will do justice. Como principal, vamos a llevarlos para que el reino de Dios llegue a ellos. And as a main purpose, we're going to uh, lead them 
for for the kingdom of God to to reach them. Thank you all. Um, thank you for sharing your nuggets and your wisdom and entrusting us with your stories. Um, I feel like I learned a lot and I feel richer because of it, so thank you. Um, I'm going to pray for us. Um, these folks and some others are going to be right outside at those tables if you have any questions. Um, Jesus, thank you so much for the ways um, that you have gifted each of these leaders to hear your voice and respond well. God, would you equip your church to be folks who hear your voice and respond, who lean into your spirit to serve anyone who you are asking us to engage with? Jesus, would you make us courageous in you would you fill us with hope? Would you give us your eyes and your heart to engage with the world around us? Fill us afresh, God. We pray these things in your name. Amen.